Welcome to All Shall Be Well, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's women in the academy and professions. Giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. This episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond is the second in a three-part interview series with spiritual director Carrie Bear, in which we discuss spiritual truths that can nourish us during these tumultuous times. Carrie currently serves as the Associate Director for Spiritual Formation of Faculty with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. She is married to Randy, she's the mother to two grown sons, and lives in Spokane, Washington. Anne Boyd, Managing Editor at The Well, interviews Carrie in this episode, in which they discuss the aftermath of the U.S. presidential election and the ways in which we can respond to our political divisions with our best, most Jesus-like selves. Although Carrie and Anne hold their own political opinions, their conversation strives to create space for listeners on either side of the aisle, and ultimately, to promote a spirit of listening and honest communication. And now, here are Carrie and Anne. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Anne. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us today. Well, good to see you. So, Carrie, the election is on my mind. We are recording this interview, as you know, on Friday, November 6th. And although there may be more clarity when this podcast releases on November 17th, there are still a number of important things for us to think about. And I could really use help, especially in ordering my thoughts and emotions. And I bet our readers could use that too. So do you have any general thoughts or advice you'd like to share about how we can respond to our contentious political climate? I think I do have some thoughts about that. Fantastic. Um, first, though, I have to say that it's kind of funny to hear you say, I'm thinking about the election or the election is on my mind. Because I don't think I know anyone who would say that the election isn't on their minds. So it's just kind of amazing to me that we are in this giant conversation and constant checking in with each other about this election. Mm -hmm. And then it also kind of cracks me up a little bit, the whole idea of clarity. <laughs> yes, we might have some clarity when this comes out in a week, but Clarity has been very hard to come by and yes. is very elusive. So that's just struck me as kind of funny. But yes, the question of this election and how do we make our way through it is a huge one and a good one. I really think that as we reflect on what is happening here, the amount of noise and vitriol and conflict and turmoil that's going on is really disturbing. And the way I handle stuff like that is I try to figure out, I'd say something to myself sort of like, well, hold on now. I don't want to get caught up in this. I don't want this kind of stuff to be the driver in how I think and respond and behave. Mm -hmm. I want to be choosing. I don't want to be reacting. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, I think about that. And then, of course, I think, okay, what is God saying? I go back to what do I know is true? I know that God is on his throne, and I know that he is the author of peace. So it is settled who is really in charge. It is God. 
And the place to go when we need peace is to God. So I really live into that. That is how I am making it through this election Mm -hmm. cycle, is I am begging God every day for the peace that passes all understanding. And, you know, it's an ongoing, constant thing. I go back to the well to fill up again and again and again. Notice how I got the well in there. I like that. I like that. Like that. But it's a, it's a great metaphor because we need to replenish and renew, fill our cup again and again and again. But that is how I'm making it through. And then I think the other thing that is helpful is to go to people who I know are also at least a little bit sane and grounded right now mm-hmm. and sort of hang out with them, which is hard to do in a COVID pandemic. <laughs> but I hang out with them on Zoom or by phone or in email and we comfort one another and we reassure one another and we remind each other what is true. And we rant a bit and we we lament and we grieve and we get upset and then we calm each other down. But I'm not doing this alone. I am doing this with other comrades. And then I think I go to places where I can read things that are not incendiary Mm. or crazy or too shallow and full of, you know, spiritualizing. But I try to find where are the substantive writers and thinkers in my life and what are they saying? And I read their stuff. I try to take that in. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I would say I take breaks. I rest. I do other stuff that is not related to politics. (laughs) I read novels. I watch stuff on Netflix that uh, is not political. (laughs) You know, I cook with my husband and I take walks and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I'm making my way through this thing. Because I refuse to be manipulated into being angry all the time and outraged all the time. I just refuse to be that person. I can be. I have spent some time there, more time than I would like to admit. But that is not who I want to be. And I am not going to let these politicians manipulate me into that. I'm just not going to do it. And so I'm looking all the time for ways to be calm and grounded and have some perspective and stuff like that. So. I love that. And I love hearing your example of understanding what is true spiritually in the world and making intentional choices that allow you to engage in your own timetable and not being manipulative. That is very refreshing, that idea. And your thoughts about being connected spiritually to people who remind you about truth, it it leads me to a question that I keep wrestling with. And it's really the tension between acknowledging God's sovereignty over all things while also considering the calling and responsibility I have in bringing his kingdom on earth. And I feel like I'm having a tough time striking that the right balance between an urge toward activism and also my deep conviction that prayer is going to bring more of God's kingdom than Mm -hmm. I ever could. So what advice do you have about navigating that? Yeah, well, that's a real thing. I mean, that tension between 
And I almost hesitate sometimes to dive into conversations like this, where we're talking about how do I handle all this stuff with my deep conviction that I need to go and be with God and pray, because it sounds, it can sound like a cop out, like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's just going to spiritualize and that might be fine for her, but that doesn't really get me where I want to go. And if I were going to prayer in order to escape my responsibilities for being human in the world and mm-hmm. reflecting Jesus Christ in the world, if I were trying to avoid that, which can be done, and I have done it, <laughs> if that was the primary thing that was happening because I was choosing to pray, then that would not be okay. And that would not be. I don't know if that even gets counted as prayer. I think that in some ways, I think that if if we're going to talk to the living God, really, um, the living God is going to comfort us and fill us with peace. And then he's going to push us out the door to love and care for others. That's what he does all the time. I mean, that's his way of being in the world. So if I'm going to be following Jesus or responding to God or whatever word you want to use, filled with the Holy Spirit, then I am going to be about others or it's not authentic. It's not real. So it can seem like there's a dichotomy between these two things. But if you look at Jesus, it's integrated. It's seamless. He goes and spends time apart with the Father And then he comes down off that mountain and he goes right into demon-possessed people and lepers and the woman at the well and all the mess that is in the world. And he gets his hands dirty and he does what the father has told him to do, presumably, you know, go care for these people, set people free, you know, forgive sins, heal people. So I think The way this whole thing is supposed to work with God is that we come to him depleted and confused and frightened and tired, and he ministers to us and replenishes us and then reignites our vision for going and loving the world, which is what our vocation is in this world um, as people of God and image bearers of God. That is beautiful, Carrie. Thank you. Let me turn us to another complex topic that I've been wrestling with. No matter what your political opinions, it is uncomfortable to come face to face with the sharp divisions in our country, particularly among Christians. Do you have any thoughts about how we can respond in a Jesus-like way? Yeah, well, I wish I had (laughs) an answer to that, Anne. But I will say this, every Christian, serious Christian I know, and some people who also are not believers, but are very thoughtful people looking at the landscape, all of these people are asking this question, how are we going to heal? They're very concerned about this. And they realize that the next step after the election, whatever happens, is we've got to work on this great divide, which is today on November 6th, as we sit here and talk, more of a divide than many people thought it was. So 
it's a huge question. I think the first thing we do is we grieve. Mm. We say, this is not right, and we are not okay with it. And for me, I recall the many, many, many scriptures about unities. So let's just take the church. We do not have a spirit of unity in the church right now. And that, I think, is grieving to God. So if it's grieving to God, then it has to be grieving to us. The question of what do we do about it is very tricky right now. And I think as I thread my way through that, because I've been thinking about this every day and talking to people about this and not making tremendous progress either, I might add, as I think about it, I think what we absolutely have to be clear about is that if it's a question of justice, if somebody were trying to come together with and reach over the divide, would not want us to take a stand on justice. That's when we have to say, I'm sorry, but I am going to be for the marginalized. I'm going to be for the maligned people of color and all people of color are maligned. And I am going to be for the immigrant, for the refugee. And I'm not going to be ethnocentric and xenophobic and So don't ask me to do that. I mean, we wouldn't say that out loud, but that has to be, I think, where we are. And if somebody wants to say we don't have a racism problem in this country or something like that, we have to speak truth and say, well, yes, we do actually have a problem. We don't have to say it in a snotty voice. We don't have to yell at anybody or denigrate them for not agreeing with us. But we do have to tell the truth about issues of justice. And so that's where it becomes challenging, Mm -hmm. because if that wasn't such a crucial piece of all of this, we could do what we do when we make peace with, you know, when the stakes aren't so high. You know, you bake some cookies and you have tea and you, you smooth it over and you know, you believe the best about each other and you decide the conflict isn't worth it and it's all good now. And maybe it's a little tense, but whatever. But we cannot say peace, peace where there is no peace. And that's the rub in this thing. So I think we have to instead have hard, uncomfortable conversations where we do with humility, where we do a lot of listening, trying to understand, is there anything I have in common with this person? What are the points in common? Is it that we both agree that abortion is wrong? Is it that we both are concerned about sex education in the schools? Is it that we both care about the poor? Is it that we both think socialism wouldn't be good for the country? You know, let's find the places where we can agree Mm -hmm. And let's do that and celebrate that and be all about that. But, and I don't think we have to necessarily talk about every single thing on the landscape that we would like to clarify where we stand on all these things. We don't need to do that. But if someone is pushing the envelope on justice and saying that we don't have a problem with all lives matter or something like that, I think that is when we stand up and say, yes, all lives matter. 
And I am one who would particularly say in the climate we are in in our country, Black Lives Matter, because I can't imagine what it would be like for me if my ethnic group regularly lost its children because of the color of my skin. And so I am grieving with the Black community because of this, and I think there's a real problem. Something like that, where you try to offer the possibility of compassion, you try to explain where you're coming from, and you take a stand. And people, in some cases, will not like that. And some people will shut down the conversations. Some people will say snotty things to us that will hurt our feelings. And some people will listen. Mm -hmm. And I think we just have to become more thick-skinned about the conflict that will probably be involved and always either on the surface or close to the surface in these kinds of conversations. I don't like conflict. I avoid this kind of stuff. I don't want to have hard conversations with people. But increasingly, I feel like the Lord is saying to me, Carrie, this is the next task mm -hmm. for the church and for the country and for you, my dear. So, you know, pull up your big girl pants and get out there and do what needs to be done. So it needs to be a combination of I'm really going to try to hear the other person. What have I missed? What have I not understood? Mm -hmm. What did you see in the candidate that I did not vote for? that you love. I want to hear that because I don't understand that. But at the same time, I will stand for justice. I will stand for the people who have been badly treated in the last, well, who are being badly treated mm -hmm. in, in our country. So I think it has to be both of those things. Yeah, I think you're right that we need courage right now yes. to yes. approach people and have conversations and to be able to, I listened to a Brene Brown podcast recently, and she described this, she has a phrase, she says, strong back, soft front. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea you're saying that your back is strong, you stand by your convictions, but that you approach with vulnerability and right. with the desire to learn. Yeah. And humility. Yeah. yeah. I guess vulnerability and humility pretty close, but I do not think there has been much humility anywhere in either party. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody is tinged with self-righteousness. And that is just not conducive to healing the divide. We all have room for humility. And we all have things we don't understand and blind spots that the other person can help us with. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just have to do a lot of listening. But then that backbone, I think, for our we have to stand up for our brothers and sisters of color if we are white and for everybody if we are Christian, every especially marginalized person or person who is being hurt by current policies and behaviors. I've been thinking about the way that I think in our culture, we don't like ambiguity and nuance and complexity. I think no matter what side you're on, there is such a comfort in saying our team is right. 
we are going to win and we should win. And I think on every side, we need to be open to that. I mean, that's the humility you're mm-hmm. talking about of being able to admit that we don't have all the answers. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And I think that I keep thinking about what would Jesus, what would Jesus do? You know, if Jesus walked into these discussions, you know, the discussions I've been having in my circles, you know, my point of view and everything, I'm just sure that he would not take either side, would see all kinds of things that both sides are missing, Mm -hmm. and would call people to call everyone to a whole different level of thinking about things. It's just, (laughs) just amazing how quick we are to think that we've got it figured out. Um, And I do think that part of the problem is we don't spend enough time outside our own bubbles. We're kind of siloed and we need to, I mean, this is why I didn't unfriend people on Facebook who I don't have a lot of people, you know, who are very different from me, but I have a good handful Mm -hmm. and I made myself go read. Usually I could go read what they were saying and it was really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it drove me crazy but I wanted to see what am I missing what am I not hearing what do I need to think about I was really surprised once I started praying into this some of my attitudes and it is dangerous to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us because the Holy Spirit usually makes good on that And so then all of a sudden you're confronted with how much you don't want to concede points to the other side when they make a good point. You don't (laughs) want them to make good points. You don't want to have to think about those good points. You liked it better when you were pretty sure that you had it locked up and they were just wrong. That exercise of forcing myself to go do that and then think about, okay, Let's think about this point that this person is making. They actually have a point and they get to have a point and I should think about their points Mm -hmm. because I want them to think about my points. So part of what would help us, I think, is if we just hung out with people more, not so that we could figure out how to shut them down or argue against them, but so that we could actually learn something. Yeah, it's true. We have an uphill battle. It's true and it's hard. And hard. And I think courage and the will to do it, the intentionality is what we're going to need because it's not fun. It's not easy. It's going to mean crossing over lines and building bridges and stuff. And it's just, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) But it's very necessary. And I think we need to cultivate a beautiful vision of what if the Holy Spirit decided to do a work decided. I think this is the Holy Spirit's trying to do this all the time. But what if we stopped resisting the Holy Spirit and something new happened, some kind of movement of renewal Mm -hmm. and those always start with lots of humility and confessing of sins right right no people are convicted of their sin what if that happened in a widespread way in the church you know and then spilled out into the country at large what if there were some new postures of humility and openness 
what could happen? Mm-hmm. Grace, grace could abound and things could change and people could listen to each other. I mean, so I try to cultivate that because I think that is the kingdom of God. That mm-hmm. is what it looks like. And so that's what we're really working for here is the breaking in, the inbreaking of God's kingdom here. I love that vision that is beautiful. And I want to get there. Me too. And so for me, I think that maybe one of the first steps is I need to get real practical. And the fact is I've been having a couple different feelings in a way that I know I'm not really living out of my best self. For example, I find myself sometimes resistant to things that I know are good for me, like gratitude practices. I just feel kind of an inner resistance about this. And, you know, for whatever reason, I'm taking a lot of things personally around this election and my buttons keep getting pushed. So, but I would like to live out of my best, most mature self in the midst of all these stresses. So do you have advice about what I can do when I'm not doing so great? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to start by saying, I think we're all very tired. Mm. This has made us very tired. And that's when our less than best selves emerge. So I think we all need a Sabbath. We need to be keeping Sabbath regularly. One Mm. day out of seven, we need to just stop doing all this stuff and really rest. And that can take many forms from just remembering how to breathe deeply listening to music, taking walks, you know, all those things that we know are replenishing and nourishing for us. I think if we all did that more regularly, we would have clearer perspectives and we'd have a shot at calming down and relocating our best selves, perhaps. (laughs) In terms of practices that we know would help us, well, like Sabbath keeping is one of them, but Other things too, like let's take your example about a gratitude practice. I don't have anything magical about how to get unstuck from resisting doing something that we know we should do. Like, I mean, I think we all know exercise can be like this, you know. Right. (laughs) Having a healthy diet can be like this. Finally deciding to go see a counselor can be Mm -hmm. like this. I think we have to get so tired of ourselves not doing it that becomes a motivator. I mean, I think so many books have been written and so many people have struggled with how do you motivate people? I mean, who knows? How are people motivated? But I think one of the ways, as I think about this, that I am motivated is I just get tired of myself being ungrateful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And I remember, oh yeah, when I was doing that, gratitude practice that actually made me feel better how come I'm not doing that you know and then I usually have three or four or five or seven more days of not but then I finally I think at that point also it is true that the Holy Spirit's ministry to us comes in and the Holy Spirit gently reminds you know remember that gratitude practice you know you can do that gratitude practice today Mm -hmm. why don't you do the gratitude practice today sort of breaking us down you know it's like water over rock is Mm -hmm. how I often think of the whole spirit kind of wearing us down until 
until the morning comes when I do the gratitude practice and I'm like, dang, that was great. Why haven't I been doing this? Mm -hmm. And then you've sort of broken the log jam and you're off and running again. What I hear you saying is for us to thrive through this contentious election process right now through our pandemic through November 2020 in particular and moving forward is that we need to have courage and we need to do the things that shore up our understanding of who God is and remember that and deal with our feelings. These are all excellent things and it's going to require a lot of help from the Holy Spirit. So I'm wondering if you have spiritual practices that you could recommend or things that you do to help you to live well. You've mentioned some of them already, but maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, I am absolutely dependent on my devotional time Hmm. or my quiet time or whatever you want to call it. I am at a stage of life where I do not have children at home. And so I have some built-in advantages that a lot of people don't have. And I have a flexible job too, in terms of like, I don't have to be somewhere for, or even on Zoom for like eight hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I recognize not everybody has this, but I'll just say what I think I've learned is that I cannot go through this without a daily practice of prayer and reflection and getting centered for the day, you know, sort of putting on if you want to use biblical language that might sound a little cheesy and overly spiritual, but putting on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of what I've been doing. I don't think about it that way, but I think that's actually what I do. I suit up mm-hmm. for the day. In my case, there's some music I listen to and scripture and then prayer. And sometimes I journal, but I'm not real consistent with journaling. So that's how I start. That's sort of the baseline of how I get kind of grounded for the day. And then as I think about what is sustaining me, I mentioned this earlier, but I have several regular prayer times with other people throughout my week. Hmm. Now, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I do spiritual direction. So it's probably easier for me to build this into my week than other people, perhaps. But I'm just going to tell you that because I have these prayer times and I've added some in the election season that are Mm. just around the election, I look forward to these times of prayer with others where we come and rehearse what is true. We have a very simple template we use. We thank God, Mm -hmm. we confess and lament, and then we ask for things. And then we close. And that's, we just keep doing that over and over and over again. But it has been a very healthy way to take my angst and my fear and my concerns and my gratitude and my confessions and come with some other people and pray. So that's been very sustaining Hmm. in this season. And then I mentioned going to places where I can read true things that are helpful. So I go to those places where thoughtful people who are also praying into this thing have written down some things to center my thoughts and help me 
reflect on and make my way through this thing. Hmm. So that's been very helpful. And then I think Sabbath keeping is just also really, really important that there has to be some life-giving, fun, non-work, non-glued to the television set for politics kind of stuff in my life or I'll lose my mind, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to lose my mind. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) And then, you know, walking is always things like that, walking and music and novels and stuff like that. But I think what anchors me is the prayer and the input from others. Those are kind of the things that really have sustained me. I don't know if you would call those practices other than the kind of quiet time prayer thing, but I just offer them as ways that have been sustaining for me. I mean, those sound fantastic and their rhythms in your day, in your week. And I also, I mean, I think my my practices and my prayer life are a little different from yours because my life situation is different and I do have kids. But I have since in the past couple months, you know, I've been pretty faithfully listening to that Pray As You Go app every morning, which mm-hmm. is 12 minutes. I can afford 12 minutes mm-hmm. to start my day. And I usually go outside if it's not raining, even if it's cold. And I listen to it and I drink a cup of coffee. And that reminds me that there is life outside of my computer screen and mm-hmm. outside of our little house mm-hmm. where we're having remote school and doing all those things. Well, Carrie, this has been so helpful. And I am wondering if you would pray for us as we try to live into this beautiful vision that you have for the church. I would love to do that. Thank you. Lord Jesus, in this fraught season, we come to you as people with many needs. Lord, we have fears and we have weariness and we have confusion and we are trying to find our way. But as we come to you, we know that you are the one who is the rock. You are unchanging. You are unflappable. You see the whole picture and you are not rattled by any of this. And you hold the keys to peace for us. So, Lord, would you give us your peace? We want that peace that passes understanding. So by your spirit, would you grant that for us? And would you give us a strong awareness of your constant loving presence, your mercy and loving kindness that are new every morning and never come to an end? And then we pray that you would make us people of grace, peacemakers, people who love, people of humility, people who Bear your image and reflect your loving kindness into the world. Would you grant that, Lord? Would you work that out in us by your spirit? We trust in you. We look forward to what you will do in our lives. We offer ourselves to you in grateful hope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Carrie. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All Shall Be Well. 
Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond. This is Caroline Trisick, and information about our guests can be found on our podcast page at thewell.intervarsity.org slash podcasts. This has been a production of Women in the Academy and Professions, a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. We value the contribution of podcast guests who are not employed by InterVarsity, and we acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may or may not represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. Thank you for joining our conversation as we engage in faith and life together. We'd love to hear your feedback. To share your thoughts or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.